Welcome back to Prospects to Pros on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Dane Brugler, joined by my co-host Lance Zerline. NFL is back, and there were several rookie performances that you know, we definitely need to talk about. Uh, let's first, we'll start with the college slate of games. We don't have SEC games yet. Uh, hopefully this week we hear more about the Big Ten, uh, maybe even the Pac-12. But, you know, I think we have to start with a talented player decided today he's going to be opting out. So even if the Big Ten does come back and Ohio State is playing, no Sean Wade, uh, talented corner who we've we've talked about in the past. But uh, he makes it official. He will be opting out uh, and declaring for the 2021 NFL draft. And, uh, you know, Lance, this is a player who could have came out last year as a redshirt sophomore, decided to go back, wanted to get those outside reps on film. And now we're just, we're not going to have those outside reps. Um, You know, it's going to be something where scouts are going to have to connect the dots based off of the film we do have. Uh, He is a redshirt junior who has graduated, so he will be eligible for the senior bowl. That'll be, uh, assuming he uh, accepts that invitation, which he should, uh, that would be a huge week for him, and just proving what he can do. Uh, I know we touched on him a few episodes ago, but uh, Sean Wade opting out, declaring. Uh, what are your initial impressions? Well, <clears throat> so, you know, I, I've thought about this a lot with a lot of these guys who decided to come back, like, um, you know, Marvin Wilson, for example. When they come back to school, I think they're coming back to school to up their – you know, for the most part, they're coming up to up their coming back to up their draft value. But the problem is, if you come back and you have the opportunity to play football, but you don't, um, you don't take that opportunity, which is obviously a personal choice. But the same questions that were there for you last year are there for you this year. There is no new tape. There is nothing that's going to change anyone's mind based on you know if they're just looking at the tape. So obviously you're in a different draft class um, than than the year prior, but you have the same concerns that brought you back to school the year before. So with Sean Wade, I think you hit on it. My big concern with with Sean is going to be, you know, I want to see more plays on the football and I wanted to see him play outside because I don't think he's a good fit in the slot when they played him in the slot. I think, NFL slot receivers will really give him problems and eat him up with route running. Um, but I do think he's got some potential outside. I mean, that's where I'm most interested in him. It's just that there's a limited amount of outside reps because of, you know, uh, who, who Ohio State has had outside. So with Arnett and Akuda, it's going to be very tough to get outside reps. There are some reps on tape from last year, not a ton. So I'm going to dig into those reps specifically. And I'm going to go watch, you know, Dane, we have to keep it. I mean, when I watched 2019 tape on him, and I just added him to my list of go ahead and write him up now. What I'm going to focus on is I want to see, I want to see him press, you know, as many press reps as I can. I want to try to simulate an outside cornerback, even with non-outside reps. I want to see how physical he is at the catch point. Um, I want to see him impose his his will on wide receivers at different areas of the field. Just just make himself be felt, his size be felt. Uh, I want to see how he attacks the football, what angles he takes to the ball. Does he, you know, look to make play side attacks on the football into the passing lane? You know how it goes. I mean, we're looking for certain types of play traits 
that we can potentially project. But there's just no getting around the fact that he's more than likely an outside receiver who hasn't had a lot of outside reps. Yeah, and it's it is funny because you look at the skill set uh, and that it tells you that he's going to be better suited for the outside. Uh, you know, he's not a sudden athlete. Uh, some of those inside receivers are going to give him trouble with all that space to cover. And when he did play press, uh, there were plenty of times, uh, even on the inside, where just the discipline was all over the place. Uh, you know, making uh, false steps right from the get go. So they're just, yeah, there's a lot of questions and I, you know, I, I graded him pretty high. I mean, I, I had him, I think 16 overall mm-hmm. in my uh, early top 50. Uh, but, you know, part of that is you're projecting and you think, okay, this guy is going to get even better when we see him this year outside. And, uh, you know, we don't have that now. So it's really hard to uh, figure out where he, where he fits in the, in the pecking order. And, uh, you know, there are some scouts that uh, talking to guys around the league, they gave him a third round grade. Some gave him a second round grade. So there is no consensus on Sean Wade. Uh, and, you know, I th- you, you make a, a, an interesting point about, well, if you came back for this season, the, you know, make some improvements and uh, prove certain things. Um, you know, it's we're still left kind of wondering. And, you know, Jamie Newman, same type of deal. Uh, you know, and <laughs> it's funny checking in with some people, uh, my contacts down in Georgia. There's some people down there that think he absolutely ran from the competition. Uh, you know, he they, they felt like he wasn't going to win the job over JT Daniels. And instead of kind of, you know, powering through and uh, trying to compete that he just said, you know, what, I'm just instead of being a, a backup or being labeled as that or being, you know, worrying about that, I'm going to go. And so, you know, with Sean Wade, that's, you know, I thought was going to be a positive week for the Big Ten, maybe coming back. But for uh, for Ohio State, uh, you know, they lose arguably their best player on defense. And so uh, from an evaluation standpoint, that uh, hopefully he goes to the senior bowl because that'll be a big week for him, show what he can do. He has size. Uh, you know, he can run. He's not, um, you know, I don't think he's athletically deficient, but he's not that sudden, you know, Marcus Lattimore uh, or Marshawn Lattimore uh, a guy that's just you know going to be able to stick with uh, these speedy uh, wide receivers up and down the field consistently. So uh, interesting decision from Sean Wade. Wyatt Davis uh, last week from Ohio State uh, yeah. made that decision. This week, uh, Sean Wade and there'll be a couple other Buckeyes will have to make that decision. But uh, we'll see what the Big Ten, uh, what they decide to do this week. First of all, props to you for having contacts in Georgia because let me tell you something. It is hard getting anything out of there with Kirby Smart. He's not. He doesn't allow his coaches to talk, and it's it's hard to get information. So you cultivate it when you can, and uh, that's a good spot to have some good information. I couldn't even get. I couldn't even get uh, Sam Pittman. I couldn't even get a hold of you know and talk to Coach Pittman about some of his offensive linemen. Um, and my dad's known Sam for years and years. I'm part of the Joe Moore Award selection committee, but it's it's closed shop with those coaches and Kirby. Um, you know, another guy that, that opted out on September 9th, we didn't talk about um, because last time we recorded, you know, he he hadn't opted out, but uh, Elijah Vera Tucker. So mm-hmm. I actually looked at him last year and, and started to write him up. I've got notes on him. I didn't officially write him up, but I was talking to a West Coast scout and I said, should I write him up? Because he could have come out last year. He said, you know, I'm hearing he's leaning on coming out and he and he didn't end up coming out. We know that Smith, um, Austin uh, Jackson did. But I'll be honest with you. I thought Vera Tucker last year, I liked what I saw. I thought he was a day two guard. And this, 
I enjoyed watching him on tape. I think he's got a chance to become a good starting guard. I, I actually felt like I was watching a second round guard when I watched him last year. Agree. Yeah. I, I, I in my early top 50, I graded him, I think 36, 37 uh, overall. Um, so yeah, I, I had a top 40 grade on him and it was going to be interesting because they were toying with the idea of putting him at love tackle uh, this year uh, and replacing wow. Austin Jackson there. And so that was going to be some interesting tape to watch. Uh, unfortunately, that obviously didn't happen. And so uh, we only have the guard tape and that's probably where he's going to fit best. Uh, but yeah, you see a guy with the, the foot agility to get the job done. Uh, he's really good as a puller, use that mobility, get out in space, uh, stays patient in his pass sets. Uh, alert player, uh, balance needs some work. There, I thought that it was a, on the ground a little more than you want to yeah. see. His placement was a little sloppy at times. And so I think that's something that is more experience-based than anything. But I agree. This is a, an up-and-coming player, an ascending prospect who, uh, yeah, I graded as a, as a top 40 player. So I'm right there with you. It's funny. I actually found – I did write him up. Um, here's my my – and if my sources tell us, you'll actually see these in the NFL.com draft profiles because I don't need to do more work on them. He's more pro-ready than their left tackle. This is from an AFC director of scouting. He's a much better athlete than you expect, and he sees it well in protection with something we really need a guard right now. Um, I got a quote from that guy uh, because I thought he was coming out, so I asked, hey, if this guy comes out, what do you think? And that's what he said. Here's my, what I said on bottom line. I used the same word you did, ascending. I said ascending wide body with just two years of experience, but the body type and talent has generated plenty of interest from NFL scouts. He's not a forklift style drive blocker, but he does have the frame and natural strength to improve in that area with better footwork and technique. He's surprisingly adept at catching and tagging, moving targets in space and should perform well in gap and inside zone schemes. Adjusting sub package rushers will take time for Veer Tucker due to his lack of game experience, but he has the hands, efficiency of movement and anchor strength to find his way. Be a long-term starting potential, but would benefit behind an aging vet who could teach him the ropes in one year. Now, that experience could have played out on the college level had the Pac-12 been playing, but he doesn't get that. But you know, to your point about, um, you know, to your point about about uh, you know his his balance, I put narrow drive base causes him to fall off blocks against uh, surly two gappers, and I think that's one of the things that's really tough for guards is and that's and that's on every level you're you're in such a, an aggressive fire out mode because you don't want the other guy to knock you back and you're trying to play with low pads a lot of times balancing the low pad level against you know the bend and having your back relatively straight so that you're not leaning too much you're not you know nose over your skis type of because that, that's where the NFL I, I found Dane that when I scout guards, Xavier Sufilo had major – I saw issues with this in college at UCLA, and then I just assumed, oh, it will get coached out. Everything will be fine, and it's continued to be a problem. And that's, you know, playing forward, trying to move your body forward where your punch needs to stay separate from your body. Your body needs to sit tight, and your punch, you, you fire your punch. But a lot of times college guards, they can get away with leaning forward and, and doing a lot of leaning to try to base up and – and, you know, leaning into their punch. Well, NFL defensive tackles 
are so adept at using their hands and getting rid of you quickly because that's something they learn very quickly that you will find yourself on the ground a ton. So if you have a, what I found is when I have a guard in college who doesn't do that well, who is too, too forward, plays too forward and plays over his toes too often, I can't just assume, I can't make an assumption that that's going to get all better because history in my experience has shown me that that is not always the case. So I think that's something that Elijah Vera Tucker is going to have to deal with. And for everybody listening, when Lance talks offensive line, I make sure I have a pen in my hand because I'm taking notes because <laughs> that's that that's great stuff right there. And I think you're absolutely right. I, I've, when I've talked to uh, Joe Thomas in the past, he has talked so much about the importance of the biomechanics of offensive line play and how it's, you know, the first of all, the player has to understand the biomechanics and what his body make it make his body work for him and just the importance of that and how a lot of guys don't don't grasp that uh, or, or you know sometimes it's too little too late and so that's that's something for a young player you're absolutely right you can't just assume that he's going to catch on or be coached out of him it's it's something that they have to really uh buy into and understand how how their body works so uh vera tucker yeah i think a really good player the only two guards i had ranked higher based off of my summer uh, scouting was Wyatt Davis at Ohio right. state. And then Trey Smith at Tennessee, who yeah. uh, is just not saying bully. And yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Well, and Trey Smith, obviously the medicals, we'll see how that plays out, but you know, Vera Tucker, he, he's in the a short list of uh, the top guards, uh, at least uh, this early juncture. So. Yeah. And Wyatt Davis is, is another one who, I mean, I, I really, I don't have to have the big, the big 10 come back. To, to know kind of who he is and what he is as a player. I, I know he's a really good player. I know Trey Smith is a really good player, but one guy has a medical that you have to look into and one guy doesn't. So that's the difference there. Um, Walker Little also came out, and I think that was expected. I think that was expected, but he's a he's a he's an offensive tackle who hasn't played since 2018. He had an ACL tear last year, of course, this year. Uh, Pac-12 is not playing football right now. He's not going to wait until – the spring he's going to get started. What are your thoughts on Walker Little? I really haven't dug into him deep um, because I haven't had to up to this point. He hasn't been a draftable prospect for me to look at. So I wondered if you've been able to take any kind of a deep dive in there. I, I need to go deeper with him just because my first round uh, with him wasn't wasn't as glowing as I thought it'd be. Uh, I thought he he looks the part. He's got the size. You know, he he looks like he belongs. Uh, but the feet I thought were average at best. Uh, edge speed could stress him. Uh, his feet look like they get stuck in the mud a little bit, and he has trouble with that inside move. Uh, it's just too much of a catch blocker. You want to see him be a little uh, better with his timing, with his reach, and uh, it being a little more forceful. So, yeah, I think it's it's tough because you're talking about a player who had you know played well young, at a young age uh, at Stanford, but then. Uh, you know, you just wonder about his development. How much was stunted by not playing last year, uh, tearing his ACL in the season opener, and then, of course, not getting back on the field this year. Uh, it's something that it makes it really tough to evaluate a player like that who basically hasn't played, and it'll be, you know, two years, and right. there's there's an injury involved. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of development or lack thereof that you're concerned about. So, he, he's going to be a, a tough one to figure out. And I think a guy that's going to have a very volatile draft stock. Some some teams will be a little more optimistic than others. And it'll be a really interesting guy to track throughout the process. Yeah, this is one where his, you know, um, wherever he ends up training, I'm going to go try to watch him because I want to see him move. I want to see 
you know, what the strength looks like. Uh, the question is going to be, what does he weigh? What's his measurements? How, what does his body composition look like? You want to see the foot quickness. You want to see the speed, the, the strength. And this is something that can develop from the time you're, let's say, 19, 20 years old. He's 22 now. So let's say 20 years old. You can get a little better at taking angles with the foot quickness. I mean, you know, for, for his weight, which was projected around 309, you'd like to see him um, with a little bit quicker feet as, as a left tackle. But I think what we're going to – what we're really going to look at for Walker Little is – you know, you really need to see him. The combine obviously will be a big deal. It'll be interesting to see um, if he's a graduate uh, invite. I would assume he would be with with Jim Nagy out at the Senior Bowl. And um, you'd like to see some level of competition. I mean, I can go watch and you can go watch him move his feet and shuffle on a combine floor as much as we want. But taking one-on-one reps and competing and showing the ability to recover physically and showing the ability to, to drop a secondary anchor once you've been bull rushed early on in the process. I mean, that's, that's something that you can't see on a combine floor. And that's something you can't see in a pro day. And you can only see that when you're under duress, when the bullets are flying. So, um, that's going to be very interesting, but he is a tackle. He does come from Stanford. Those guys are going to get a lot of respect right off the bat because of David Sean, who he's had along the offensive line as, as offensive line coaches. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, for um, any time that you're you're talking about offensive tackles, there is going to be an excitement level for a lot of teams that will push them up because we saw it with Austin Jackson. I mean, I thought he was I thought he's very much a um, a project still. I think he's got a. I think he's got a ways to go, but he got pushed up the board, and more is expected of him. Josh, we saw Josh uh, Jones, rookie from University of Houston. I mean, he's starting already for Arizona. So that's the other thing. If you get drafted as a tackle inside the first three rounds, you got to be prepared to play. And if he hasn't played since 2018, even if your projection is high, anytime somebody makes your roster. You have to be ready for them to play against grown men in the NFL. So that's a concern. Yep, no question. Um, okay, well, I want to get to some of the, the action we saw on Saturday. Yep. Uh, like I said, we're still waiting on the SEC and some, uh, you know, hopefully the Big Ten. But the ACC was back on the field. The Big 12 was back. Uh, not a ton of, you know, big-time matchups. But uh, I, I thought two, two, where I want to start is two linebackers uh, that okay. really stood out to me that I thought lived up to the hype. First, Chaz Surratt uh, yes. from North Carolina, who was all over the field. I mean, he, this guy athletically is just so impressive. Uh, and nine tackles, two and a half for loss. He had two sacks. He he really had a nice game against Syracuse. And I don't, one of those guys where you de- you don't need to know the number. Uh, you just watch <laughs> a few plays of that North Carolina defense, and you just can tell he's moving a little differently. Uh, his angles to the football, uh, you know, as being a former quarterback, I feel like this gets mentioned a lot with former quarterbacks who, you know, moved a receiver or moved, a, you know, wherever. You, you can tell he has a, a field sense to him, an awareness where he understands uh, where what the offense is doing. He's quick to read his keys. And so I thought Chaz Surratt, he, he definitely stood out. I know you watched a little bit of him, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 unusual, I think. I was really excited about seeing how he would look. I think it's unusual for a player. We talk about quarterback to wide receiver. We've we've seen quarterback to um, tight end. We don't usually see quarterback to linebacker a lot. Not not that late in the game. And 
you know, we've even seen quarterback to, to the defensive side of the, the football, cornerback or safety. I think it's interesting at, at linebacker because in some ways you're a mirror to the backfield, right? Cornerback is mirror to wide receiver. Um, tight. It, so I always look at linebackers are a mirror to the backfield, meaning quarterback and, and running back. And they have to have a feel, a, a tackle. Offensive tackle is a mirror to a defensive end. So you've got to have the ability, I think, to to really – process quickly just like a running back does you are basically a running back playing linebacker and so what happens in my estimation is that the guys who have the best instincts and the best feel um those guys you aren't worried about them moving up to the next level nfl unless they have you know physical deficiencies when you flip-flop that you know the physical deficiencies some of it can be worked on but instincts can work around some of those if you can get to the spot before blockers get to you because of your instincts well that's huge i mean that's how zach thomas you know that's how zach thomas made a living however if you are deficient in instincts you can be a great athlete and work around it with your athleticism but there will always be Teams can always game you and cause problems. What I see from Chas Surratt, and this is early, but what I really love is he has a quarterback's instincts, as you mentioned, with with a with an innate ability to understand the play development. But number two, he's all over the place. He's not a guy sitting on the second level making you know making tackles three yards, four yards in into the run. He's a guy who is proactively looking to make plays. And if there's one thing that that kind of I get bummed out when people get really excited about tackle totals and I go see and a guy's got, you know, uh, 51 solo and 62 assists. I like solo tacklers. That tells me you're a hunter and I want a hunter out there. Yeah, that, no, it's well said. And that's, that, that sums up Surratt because he's he is all over the place. And he you see an NFL caliber athlete uh, with NFL caliber size and with as the instincts get better and better which they just continue to uh, you know grow the last two years it just he's a really impressive player and he he just missed my top 50 um he was a player that i was really considering putting in there Uh, i gave him a second round grade really like him Mm. the other linebacker i want to talk about he did make my top 50 uh and that's notre dame's jeremiah wusu koromara and his teammates call him woo so i'll call him woo but he uh He's more of that hybrid uh, linebacker who was just all over the place against Duke. He had nine tackles, two for loss. Uh, He had a sack. He had a forced fumble. Uh, His explosiveness uh, is what really stands out. He's a really good athlete. He's long. Uh, and then his explosiveness, when he when they give him a chance to blitz or just attack the line of scrimmage, he gets there in a hurry. And if the offensive line or the uh, blocking scheme does not account for him, uh, it's over. The quarterback has no shot. So uh, very physical tackler. Uh, he, he's the the explosive breaks on the ball is what I thought you know really was the main takeaway from his his film. Uh, it, like I said, a little bit of that hybrid because he doesn't have maybe prototypical linebacker size. And, um, you know, there's some, some things that he needs to work through, but this is a really good player who I thought had an outstanding game against Duke and kind of lived up to, I think I had him 31 overall uh, on my preseason board. I, I th- he played like it. I tell you what. Um, so that's another one. I watched part of that game as well. And he is, I love the combination of speed and aggressiveness and uh, I thought you nailed him with I, from what I have seen so far up to this point. 
And let's face it, if he can get into the 220s, that's that's the way football is trending. You can be in the 220s and be that hybrid style linebacker, especially if you have some coverage ability um, or some blitz ability. You've it started off. I don't know exactly where it started, but I like to always start with with um, peppers and work backwards from there because, I mean, Hassan Reddick is different. That was a pass rusher. But we've seen, I mean, Darius Leonard at times played, you know, I've been told he played in the low 220s, like barely 220s when he was rookie of the year. And, you know, you have to be able to try to keep some weight on, of course. But I don't think that I don't worry anymore even about two. It used to really bother me when a guy wasn't at least 235 at will. Then it was in the low 230s. And I'd see guys in the 220s, and I was just like, God, this is just too light. I think it depends on the frame. I think it depends on um, their ability to carry the right amount of lean muscle mass. It, it it depends on their strength, and it also depends on their ability to avoid punishing blockers. I mean, slipping blockers is a big deal if you're 225 pounds. And so if, if you try to take guys on, well, yeah, I mean, being 225 is going to stink. But if you're 225 and you have a good ability to, to elude blockers without giving away you know, too much of the gap, um, I don't mind as much. And and it's also up to defensive schemes, you know, to know what they have and who they have. And so with Wu, you want to put him in a position to where you don't have to have him taking on blocks a lot. You let him blitz, you let him drop, and you let him run and, you know, run and hit. And that's schematically you know, your general manager is going to have to understand, oh, that's the kind of scheme we run. We're going to push him up our board. Yep. No, it's well said. Um, and there are a few other quick hits I want to talk about here uh, before we go to the NFL side. Um, I'll just I'll, I'll list them off. And then, you know, Lance, you can reflect on any if you want. A couple of DBs really showed out with their interceptions. Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, everybody obviously remembers his dad all those years with uh, the Patriots and playing in the NFL. Uh, you know, He got his hands on a lot of footballs last year for Florida State as a sophomore, but only had one pick. Uh, in the opener uh, against uh, Georgia Tech, he had two uh, two interceptions and not a guy that's similar to his dad. The instincts are there. Uh, you see the ball skills, but uh, the size is going to be a question mark. And But he's still a guy that I'd bet on. Uh, then Andre Sisco uh, for Syracuse, uh, going back to that North Carolina-Syracuse matchup, had his 13th career interception in only 23 games uh, at Syracuse. And so this is a, a guy that just finds the football uh, playing more of a rover position this year where they'll line him up close to the line of scrimmage. They'll drop him in space. Does a lot of things for that Syracuse 3-3-5 defense. Um, so Andre Cisco continues to pad the stat sheet uh, with those picks, which you know we know matters quite a bit. If you can create turnovers, the NFL is going to be interested um, I wanted to mention Jonathan Adams from Arkansas State, who what had a, a catch. really big game. Yeah, yeah. Well, and his best catch was the one that didn't even count. It was incomplete. Uh, that, yeah, that, yeah. And, but he's still eight for ninety-eight, three touchdowns. Uh, this is a guy who six oh two five, two oh six, just under thirty-three inch arms. Came in with some borderline draftable grades. Uh, you know, I looked at him over the summer, Arkansas State, talking to scouts. It was. Forrest Merrill, the nose tackle on defense, and it was Adams, uh, the wide receiver on offense. And he had mostly PFA grades. Some said maybe late rounds. And so this is a borderline draft pick, and he's done nothing but help himself uh, in terms of trying to get into that that draftable category for teams. And the, the speed's not going to be great. He's probably going to run 
maybe mid four fives. He's not a guy that's going to consistently stack corners and uh, just you know separate with his speed. I want to see him maybe show a little uh, some better sink and snap in his routes. But his ability to get physical to the football, uh, you know, win the catch point, the body control, give a quarterback a, a de- decent sized strike zone so he can use that length and that body control to go adjust and attack the football, uh, really impressive. And it's even more impressive because he suffered uh, a partially torn MCL in his right knee in the opener two weeks ago. So he's playing hurt, but you wouldn't know it by the way he played. Just a, a really good uh, performance by him. And then one other thing I wanted to mention was just Clemson. Uh, they rolled all over Wake Forest, the offense with Trevor Lawrence and ETN, uh, just humming. Uh, and you know, Lawrence basically all but began- or all but declared. Uh, he 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 said that he would the plan was to play this season, then go to the 2021 draft. Uh, he looked phenomenal, 22 of 28, 351 yards and a touchdown. ETN is just his his cutting ability, his acceleration and burst. Uh, mid cut is just it's so dang impressive. And th- there are still some things he needs to work on. He is not a uh, perfect prospect by any means, but that athleticism is just so special, and so uh, it, it just continues to jump off the film. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Um, I, 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 if he had come out, and I was expecting him to come out, if he had come out, I think he would have challenged for my top running back spot um, right there near DeAndre Swift. I mean. I, I really, really, and I didn't expect to like him as much as I did, to be honest with you. I turned the tape on and, and, um, as long as you keep an open mind with, you know, with what you're seeing, I saw a combination of when he wanted to, he could make you miss. He had the, the loose hips. I thought he might be a little tight hipped. He wasn't tight hipped at all. He's very loose hipped. But when it's time to get violent, he could get violent. And um, I really liked the way that he could change and alter his running styles inside of a single, not just a single series, but inside a single carry. And that was something to me that really stood out is that if he needed to give you a wiggle, he'd give it to you. When it was time to, to get physical, he'd get physical. And so um, I was a big fan of what I saw last year. I was a little surprised he went back, but I'm certainly going to enjoy watching him this year. Yeah, I agree. And, I, you know, he went back, wants to be a first-round pick. I think he's got a decent shot. Um, you know, he's going to be in, in, in everyone's conversation to be running back one. Uh, and I think he's in that first-round conversation for sure. Um, well, let's get to uh, – that's Saturday. Let's talk about Sunday now. Uh, some of the rookies, week one in the NFL – uh, plenty of rookies to talk about who had their debuts and some better than others. Uh, but, you know, I, I think we, we have to start with number one. That's Joe yeah. Burrow uh, in Cincinnati who, you know, they didn't come out with the win. They could argue that maybe they should have. Uh, Chargers uh, you know, pulled it out. But it was, uh, I thought, a, a, a solid debut for Burrow. You're making your first career start. Uh, you know, he, he, he sh- maybe didn't put the game on his shoulders like we saw him do so many times uh, at LSU. But you saw a guy that was being aggressive. You saw the confidence, a guy that's, uh, you know, not afraid to make throws, push the ball. Uh, you know, all in all, all things considered, I thought a pretty solid debut for Joe Burrow. Yeah, I did too. I thought, you know, here's the thing. I know he doesn't. I feel like I know Joe Burrow exceptionally well. I spent a ton of time watching him, a ton of time writing him up. I mean, just it was like a seven-hour process on just Joe Burrow alone, and it but was enjoyable. tricky because. 
It was enjoyable because he does yeah. things. You know, I also watched him headed into the year, and I was he was he was nothing to me. He was a nobody. He was just nah. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't see anything I really liked. And then to see this level of jump, to see this level of improvement on so many different areas, it was phenomenal. It was so fun to watch him on tape. Here's the thing, though: he does not have a strong arm. He doesn't. And people try to fight me on that. The the data will tell you that too. He did when he was asked to throw outside the numbers, it was it was below 50%. When you watch the year before, a lot of the offense before Joe Brady asked him to make those throws. There was a ton of contested catches. And so Joe, I think Joe Burrow knows who he is and what he is. He understands his strengths, he understands his his areas of concern, and he tries to avoid those. But you know, a lot of those throws were really tight. And really contested. But the thing is, he made the throws with great placement. And that's something that he showed last year. It's something that gave me confidence in giving him a grade above a 7.0, which is, you know, potential future Pro Bowl uh, grade because he he does understand, I think, where to go with the football. He does have some escapability, which he showed, made a very bad decision to flip a football forward when there was a wide receiver breaking open over the top. And that that ball flipped forward uh, just kind of carelessly ended up getting interception, intercepted. It was a big turnover. But I think Burrow managed his 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 average arm strength and threw the ball with very good – now, it was short. He threw a lot of short throws, but he threw the ball with very good placement into tight coverage. Now, the thing that's going to happen is he's now going to see more off coverage, and that's what Chargers ran a lot of, so they could kind of – you know, jump those routes. And I think they're really going to force Joe to make some different throws. I think the chess game is going to continue to to evolve against Joe Burrow so that they force him to make some uncomfortable throws. And he'll, of course, have to do that. And that's going to take that's going to take really good timing. And it's going to take um, uh, an improving knowledge of what defensive coordinators want to do to him. Because trust me, LSU with their talent and Joe Brady, they had everyone on their heels in the NFL rookie quarterbacks are on their heels. So, and especially with the, with the, the Bengals, I mean, the Bengals are not talent starved, but there's still work to be done, um, especially along the offensive line. That, that, and that's exactly the point I was going to make that offensive line, uh, especially at right tackle needs, needs to play better. I was really looking forward to seeing what Joe Burrow could do in, in overtime. Unfortunately, the, the kicker missed the field goal and, uh, the Bengals are now 0-1, but it's a short week. Uh, we got the Browns and Bengals this Thursday night. Uh, Browns obviously coming off a very disappointing debut against the Ravens. Uh, and uh, for for Joe Burrow and the Bengals, it's, it's a quick turnaround to go up against a, a reeling defense that uh, there are a lot of issues there. And it's going to be interesting to see which quarterback looks better uh, on Thursday night, both uh, coming off losses. Uh, I, I, say we start with one, number one. Number two, uh, Chase Young, uh, you know, did not disappoint either. Uh, nope. Going out there for Washington, being part of that upset of the Eagles. I mean, you know, and it's no surprise. We both love Chase Young. I don't know too many people that did not love Chase Young. Just, uh, you know, he, he was ready for this and he showed up. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that, that I think is important is that, First of all, he does have Ryan Kerrigan on the other side, who's an outstanding player, does not get enough attention uh, from national pundits for being the the. if you go look at his if, if if I were to tell you stats, if you didn't take a look at Ryan Kerrigan's stats and I went through, um, you know, all of his stats over the years, I think you would be 
very surprised at how consistently steady um, he has he has been through the years. Just the last, just the the out of the last last year, he only played twelve games. But dating back to 2014, 13 and a half sacks, nine and a half, 11, 13, 13, and then five and a half last year. But you have him playing um, along with Matt Ioannidis, who is a you know just a, a really busybody. Chase Young's natural talent is starting to show. And here's the thing, and this is why I kept hearing, you know, I keep hearing people point to, well, this guy really locked up Chase Young. Or I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that about this tackle or that tackle. And then I watch a game and I say, he didn't lock him up. Chase, Chase Young is just a little bit of knowledge about hand usage away from destroying this tackle. And when you have that kind of size, that kind of athletic talent, and really that kind of forceful strength and and explosiveness hand fighting is something that typically if a guy wants to learn it can be taught fairly quickly um under you know adding more moves to the repertoire is something that can be accomplished within year one and so you project the outstanding talent especially when it has the production that he had last year and he has the outstanding elite traits well dane i think we're already seeing that those traits are going to, even if he doesn't learn a lot of skill this year, it's, it's like Jadavion Clowney. I mean, Clowney has not become skilled as a pass rusher. That's why he doesn't hit double-digit sacks. He's still very dangerous. He still has big games. Well, if Chase Young does develop as a pass rusher, which I expect him to do, he's going to be that guy, I think, who has 14-plus sacks every year. And I think we're already seeing signs that – you know, his game is continuing to develop. Yeah, 100%. And just uh, watching him at Ohio State, you could see a guy that was uh, – he took the coaching well. Uh, you know, Coach Larry Johnson for the Buckeyes, a defensive line coach, what he did, the Bosa's, and then with Chase Young. I mean, he was he's ready-made for the NFL, and we saw it uh, right away. And, and to your point, Washington has a very strong – Front seven, they've invested a lot uh, in early round draft picks. Uh, the Eagles' offensive line is obviously a trouble area right now, but it, it was a very impressive debut for Chase Young. Um, and, you know, another position in the top 10 last year uh, that was well represented was offensive tackle. And mm -hmm. I thought, you know, we, we we don't know Andrew Thomas yet. Um, the Giants, uh, for all, you know, they're playing tonight. We're, we're taping this on a Monday. Uh, they're playing tonight, so we haven't seen Andrew Thomas yet. But uh, Jedrick Wills, Tristan Wirfs, Mackay Becton, um, I thought all those tackles did pretty well. All, you know, all things considered, all, all three are young guys uh, thrown into the fire where they're expected to be important pieces of those offenses. And I, I thought you saw promising results immediately from all three. Yeah, it was a talented group, and they all have areas where they need to improve. I think. You know, the, the issue was on the other side of Tom Brady was more with Donovan Smith, the veteran, Agreed. than it was yeah. with Tristan Wirfs. And um, I can't wait to watch Andre Thomas. Go ahead. Wirfs went against uh, Cam Jordan most of the time. And, and so I would have thought it would be the other way around. But, no, yeah, to your point, it Wirfs more than held his own. Yeah, and, and um, 
You know, I think we'd be – I do want to mention, I thought C.D. Lamb, I'm sure you watched Dallas game. I thought C.D. Mm-hmm. had some had some nice catches. I think that's going to be – I think he's – I think the ability – they got so reliant upon Amari Cooper last year, and Amari just kind of lost a little juice at the end of the year. Well, I think with the way Gallup looked yesterday, making plays against Jalen Ramsey, and then you throw C.D. Lamb in there, and then you have – you know, and we're getting into a pro conversation with with, but you you now have more options, and that's really what you want when you're drafting players. It's not about having a wealth of riches; it's about having um, a diversity of talent and skills so that you can find mismatches on the field. And I think Ceedee Lamb is going to find mismatches very quickly. I'm very excited to watch Jerry Judy play as of our taping. Of course, people will be listening. Jerry Judy will have played the guy that that we have to talk about is Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I understand that game was on Thursday, but I'm sure he lived up to the hype for you as much as he did for me. He was fantastic. Well, it's just, and we, we knew it from the moment he was drafted by the chiefs, just a put it in a perfect situation. You know, my, my comparison all along for him was Brian Westbrook and, you know, just perfectly uh, put in that offense with uh, Andy Reid and Mahomes. And, you know, he's, we the debate about drafting running backs early in the first round and this I mean it's something that uh, is not going to go away but for the right situation the right player it makes sense and I thought it made perfect sense when the Chiefs invested that uh, first round pick in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with everything he brings to the field his balance his escapability he always has an escape plan sometimes it's using that low center of gravity to get lower than defenders and wiggle his way out of trouble. Sometimes he's relying on his feet to uh, juke and just uh, you manipulate the space that he's given uh, to create broken tackles. Uh, and we really didn't even see him much in the passing game. And that's really where I think he can be a difference maker, catching the ball out of the backfield and just being a monster in the screen game. So, uh, yeah, a terrific debut. And I, if you get the feeling that they're just heating up and what, what that offense can be. Yeah, and so in terms of other running backs, just very quickly, um, Cam Akers got 14 carries but only 39 yards, but he's going to be a big part of that offense, you can tell already. Um, You also – we got to mention this, Marlon Mack with an yeah. Achilles injury. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor all of a sudden. I know they have Naeem, uh, Naeem Hines, but I know the Colts are very high on Jonathan Taylor. They think he is going to be a special back. We're going to get to find out right away because he's getting ready to have a lot of carries because they just got done losing to the Jaguars. They had 27 total carries. There's no way that the Colts want to put that much on Phillip Rivers' limited arm talent at this stage of his career, two interceptions, one touchdown. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to go right from the feed trough at Wisconsin to the feed trough in Indianapolis, and you better strap it on because he's getting ready to get 20-plus carries a game potentially. Well, and what, what was the conversation around Jonathan Taylor uh, in the lead-up to the draft was, you know, what does he give you in pass protection? What does he give you as a receiver? He had six catches uh, in his debut. And, you know, I think the, the Colts, obviously, that was something that they felt comfortable with and they they fed him. And I, I think you're right. We're going to see more and more of Jonathan Taylor. Uh, and, you know, I think we also have to mention DeAndre Swift. Um, uh, talk about uh, a very up and down debut for him. He scores his first NFL touchdown and then the final uh, seconds of the game drops a potential game winner that was – that was in his hands, and it just as he was putting it away, it, it slipped out. Uh, just a heartbreaking way to lose for the Lions and for DeAndre Swift, uh, a debut that 
Uh, even though he scored his first touchdown, one that I'm sure he, he's trying to forget and just move on to week two. Yeah, three catches, um, only had three carries. Adrian Peterson is starting starting the year off as their number one guy. Good good game for for Peterson and carry on Johnson. So we'll have to watch Swift make his. But DeAndre Swift is used to playing in a backfield with a bunch of running backs. I mean, he did that throughout Georgia. So uh, we'll see if he can work his way up the. Uh, uh, up the, the the depth chart here and eventually get some carries. Well, I'm already I'm already psyched about next week's show, Dane. So I, I can't wait till we get into it next week. We're we're right around the corner from. Uh, I was going to bring up Sam Ellinger. My Longhorn wife was all excited about Sam Ellinger. I'm like, come on, it's UTEP. Just slow, slow down. Let's let's save Sam Ellinger. Right. Talk for another time. That I tell you what, that Red River uh, rivalry uh, that's going to be uh, coming up here before we know it. Uh, do you see what Rattler did for Oklahoma, the yeah. redshirt freshman? All I, it was Missouri State, so you know uh, it's pumping the brakes a little bit. But I tell you what, if you took Kyler Murray, you take Baker Mayfield, you mold them into one quarterback. I think you have Spencer Rattler, uh, a just a really unique talent. Uh, you see the mobility, see the arm talent. Uh, but that's going to be fun to watch the redshirt freshman uh, face off against the experienced senior in Ellinger when those two teams match up. Always a good game, and I don't think it'll disappoint this year. No, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to getting the SEC started as well. That's, uh, that's going to be a fun time. Yep, coming up here in a few weeks. So uh, that'll wrap it up for today's episode. Uh, catch Lance at Lance Zerline on Twitter. I'm at DP Brugler. You can check out The Athletic, find all our NFL draft content there, and we will catch you next time.